What a beautiful day, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you mums from me, to the Connect Mums. If you don't have your mum here today, I feel ya. I pray that you would know the peace of God that passes all understanding. That would fill your heart. It's so good to be a mom and a mama. I, I'm going to be called a mama of Anna. Where is Anna? Is Anna here? No? She's not making the cry. It was so good. You know when grandparents, they talk about their grandchildren and I used to think, what a big deal. It's just another child. But my gosh, it's a big deal. I think about Anna all the time. It's like, um, I'm just going to go next door for three minutes and see Anna. And Adam's like, you mean three hours? Oh, my gosh. I've lost hours over Anna. Oh, Jeremy's here. Where's Anna? Oh, she's feeding. Oh, gosh. Um, but do you know, oh, my gosh, I hadn't known that I could love again so much. You know, when your kids are born, you love them and you kiss and hug them. But this one, you can kiss and hug. And leave her in her parents' house <laughs> and then go home. Adam was like, man, I feel young again. I'm like, you do? <laughs> okay. And it's just nice to have the baby in the house. She keep, keep, keeps coming to her house for lunches and dinner. That's Anna. Hey, let me pray for you. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for every individual here. God, I pray that today we would come closer to you. We would know your heartbeat. That we would not go the same as we came. That we would learn something today. We pick up something today that would change our life even more. I pray that you would breathe over us today, Father. Jesus. I pray for every mom that is hurting. I pray that you would heal the brokenhearted. Because you came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. I pray for every child that is missing the mother. I pray, God, that you would watch over them today. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, God, in this house. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, last year, was it last year? This year? This year? Oh, my gosh. This year when Adam and I went to America, um, I just thought, I thought, you know, why don't I speak to my church, my family, and let you know what I learned from my mom. I thought, there's a few things I learned from my mom. My parents, they were great parents. They were not perfect. I mean, Adam's the only perfect one, apparently. I'm not perfect, but I picked a few things from my mom that I learned, and I'd like to share that with you today. Is that cool? So there's four things that I learned from my mom growing up. You know, I was born in India, as you know. I was born in Vasco de Gama, Goa. And, um, hey, by the way, Anna's name, Anna Francisca, is my name. So she is Anna, not Anna, Anna. And I was named after my grandmother, which was my dad's mother, whose name was Anna Francisca. But my mom's mother did not want that name. So when we moved to the village, she decided she would change my name, as you do. I was nine years old. She introduced me to my headmistress as Anita because that was one of her cousins. And she loved that name. And she always wanted her grandchild to be called Anita. So she called me Anita. And that stuck with me. I don't know why I never changed it. 
You know, as a nine-year-old, you do as you're told. Okay, she's said, Anita, Anita, it is. But every day, I'd get up at school when they called the roll call, Anna Francisca, and I was like, yes, President, I'm here. But for some reason, I didn't pick up that name. So it's really nice to have a grandchild after me who's going to be called Anna. So cute. Anna means grace. So I'm grace. Gia means grace. Grace means grace. Anna means grace. The boys have got a lot of grace in the house. Amen. Amen. So I was born in India, and uh, mom used to sleep with us, all of five kids. And my older sister and I would always fight to sleep next to her, as you do. It became so intense, the fighting, that we started forgetting who slept last night with mom. So we'd put it on the calendar and say, I slept. And that's how it rolled in my house. But one thing I noticed was every morning, my mom would wake up and sit there and pray. And every night, the same procedure after she comes, you know, finishing her daily work, she'd sit there and pray. Now, this, I was a bit naughty. Growing up, I wasn't, you know, I was a good kid, but I was also naughty. So I used to stay up, particularly the day that I got the, you know, the chastisement. Because I knew she'd be crying and asking God's forgiveness, and I wanted to hear if she'd do that. And she would. She'd sit there and say, God, forgive me. That's the thing that my, my mom took an account of the whole day, every day. She'd sit there saying, please forgive me for, you know, smacking that child. And I was like, yes, yes, you're forgiven. But I'd do that. But I'd hear her say that. It was such a nice thing to just watch your mom. You don't realize, the funny thing is you don't realize that Years later, that's something that you would gravitate towards, which I didn't. You know, we were taught to pray. Three Hail Marys, three Holy Marys, and our Father. We say that as quick as we could, and we out of the bed for breakfast type of a thing. But we were taught that, and I'm glad. That was like a solid foundation. But it was not only told to us, it was example to us. So my mom did that. Um, she prayed for all us kids. And and I did I did the same, you know, when you become a mother. I remember praying for Gia the day I knew I, I was conceived. I prayed for her. I prayed for her husband. I did the same for Grace. did the same for Reuben. Prayed for their husband. Not only their husbands, I prayed for their husband's parents that they would raise them in a godly way. And honestly, I've got two wonderful son-in-laws. Yay to Jeremy and Kyle. Reuben's still single. I'm still praying for that wife and for her parents. But that's that's what that's all I knew to do. I was taught by example by my mom. So I thought I'd do that. So that's something for us mothers, you know, to do. Um, if you want to grow in God, then you go to God. I mean that's just you think it's common sense, isn't it? He's the source of all prayers answered. So I, I did that for my kids. So you know, young moms, my advice to you is pray for your kids. Pray for your kids' legacies. There is lot hinging on prayers. Do not stop praying. If your children have walked away from God, do not stop praying. Take heart. Pray for them. Um, we went through a couple of years of hard time, but you know what? I knew my kids would all follow God because that's what I prayed for. I did not pray for doctors and engineers. You would as Indians, but I didn't. All I wanted was really godly, God-fearing kids who would love God, love his house, and serve in his house. That's all I prayed for. Honestly, I did. I didn't pray for big brains with doom, you know, br stuff. But I, I just want, because what happened is, if you are a good kid, 
Okay, did I say something wrong? The thing is, if you had good godly kids, out of that will flow good stuff. They can become great doctors, but that's not what I prayed for. And I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite pleased with my life and with my kids. I'm really am because the Bible does talk about you shall know them by their fruit. And I, I wanted to be that woman who would have good kids and a great legacy. Colossians 4, 2 says, be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. One thing that I do is when I wake up is I, I, I take the name of Jesus and it, you know, people know that, girls know that. And um, I thank God for what I have, the little that I have. I will thank God. My life, I thank God for my husband, for my kids. And, and it should come out of a grateful heart because we've got to be grateful for what we have. My gosh, in New Zealand, we have a lot. We do. Romans 12, 12, let your hope keep you joyful. Be patient in trouble and pray at all times. And then Matthew 6, 6 says, you know, go in a room and quietly pray to God the Father who sees you in private and will reward you. So I learned, that was one of the things I learned from my mom was to pray. Another thing that I learned from my mom was having a big heart. Her lifestyle, you know. Um, she didn't have much. We didn't have much. I mean, we did, but not much because we were five kids. But I saw her strength, her courage, her wisdom always overwhelmed me as a little kid. Um, my mom never used bad language. I never heard her say a swear word or a bad language. I never have. Till today, I haven't. I did. <laughs> as a kid. I think you guys know that. I've told you the story. Um, as a kid, my neighbor's... Um, our neighbor's friend, he was, he was five years older than me. He, we had just moved to this village, and he taught me all these bad words. And he said, Jack, just say them. I'm like, oh, sounds cool. I'll say them. Well, I did, not realizing mom was in the house. She heard me. Man, I was in big trouble that day. Never forgot what she did with me. Do you want to know what she did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, it was terrible. She called my name, and I knew I was in trouble. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm in trouble. I knew, that, I knew those were the bad words, but no excuse, because I've heard them from our next-door neighbors, because she used to. And she made, we used to live in, we used to house sit a house, and that house in the kitchen, they had a cow dung floor. She said, kneel on the floor. I'm like, okay, you do exactly what your mother tells you. I tell you. There's no back chatting, my mom. And she said, pull your tongue out <laughs> and make a sign of the cross on the floor. It wasn't a carpet. It was a cow dung floor. And I did. Yeah, I did. I tasted cow dung. <laughs> I not only tasted cow dung, never in my life after that did I swear. That was enough. My mother thought that. If you see my mother now, you think, oh, such a gentle, loving <laughs> woman. Oh, my gosh. Was she feisty when we were growing up? I am nothing like that. <laughs> I am just kind and loving and so tender and whatever. No, I am not. But another thing that I, I really admired in mom was her courage. I remember coming home, we came home from somewhere, and it was dark, and washing was on the line, and she said to me, go and bring the washing in. I said, no, no, 
It's too dark. I'm not bringing the washing in. Imagining, you know, as girls do, there's snakes in the grass. There's this prickly worm. Do you have this prickly worm? They're fluffy worm. They look fluffy. They're, they're in black and all white. And when you touch them, they prickles your hand. Like for hours, you have to take them off with stuff. Anyway, I said, no, no, I'm, I can't, I can't. She says, come with me. I'd never forget that. She took me in, in the dark, through that grass, to get that washing. She said, put your hands out. And she would prick that washing, put it on my hands, and I'd carry it inside. Now, that day I thought, man, if I can grow anything like that, that courage, I would, walking in the dark. You know, when you're 10 years old, dark is dark. It's, it's not like, oh, it's okay to walk in the dark where there are snakes, because we do have snakes. That's one thing I'm grateful for New Zealand, no snakes. In fact, it plays on your mind, because when we, I first came to New Zealand, Adam took me to Mangatooks, and he said, let's go for a walk. I'm like, heck no. There's snakes here. <laughs> and he said, no, we don't have snakes in New Zealand. I'm like, really? But you still imagine them? It's like if you touch something, like, oh, my gosh, there's a snake. Yeah, I, came from, I come from the land of snakes. Ugh. Don't like that stuff. And then Reuben goes and gets a lizard. Oh, my gosh. And then I have to love Larry the lizard, as mothers do. I don't know what it is. And then you start feeding Larry and giving water to Larry. I'm like... I didn't like it. When he first told me he's bringing lead, I'm like, no, we don't want lizard. We kill them in India and eat them. <laughs> anyway, back to the, back to scriptures. <laughs> Luke 639. And Jesus told him this parable. One blind man cannot lead another one. If he does, both will fall into a ditch. No pupil are greater than their teachers, but all people, when they've completed their training, will be like their teacher. Jesus was showing that once through spirituality or godliness or lack thereof is revealed in our actions, that such actions will influence others, either in good or evil. My mom taught us by example, walking in the dark. Because, you know, she could have easily said, no. You're big enough, go and get that washing. But she went with us. Sons and daughters and students, we try and copy our parents or our teachers. So either our parents were good examples or they were not. We have no choice in being an example of some kind or having an impact on those around us. But we do have a choice in the kind of witness and impact we provide. Someone is going to follow us and be influenced by us. The question is, do we know where we are going? Are we providing the right example that will enhance their life? Or we are we like the blind, leading the blind? I'm just glad that I was taught by example to pray and to have a big heart. The other thing that my mom really did, which I don't even know if she knew. I mean, we, we never read our Bible till we became Christians, was uh, have an open home. There was always kids in our house. I mean, we were five kids. And, you know, my grandmother adopted a kid, six kids. And then there were next door neighbors. They had three kids, those three kids. We always hung together. We, rainy day, we played Monopoly, not Xbox even. Monopoly. Whole day we'd play Monopoly. And the boys always won for some reason. They got all the houses and the hotels, and we'd be like, what? But those are my memories. 
on a sunny day, we'll be under a coconut tree or a mango tree looking for mangoes. But usually, we'll always come home. And you know, if we had friends for, you know, around us during lunchtime or dinner, there was never a question, are you staying for dinner? Or can you go home now? It's dinner time or lunchtime. They all ate in our house. Mom just always kept that home open. I mean, in our home, there was so many people have come and gone. Like YVM teams would just come. Huge team. Mom never said there wasn't enough. There was always enough in our home. And we were not well off, you know, not all that rich or stuff like that. My dad, you know, he earned a good wage. But there were times when we went through difficult times. But mom never said she didn't have enough. One particular day, we had these neighbors. And she had five kids. She was mom's friend. But her husband used to drink. So there was never enough money. And she comes. I could see her coming. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's coming. She's going to ask something. And she says to mom, oh, can I have five cups of flour for chapati? And I'm standing there going, oh, she better say no because we don't have enough. Because I know, I know, I know better as a kid. And um, I remember mom turning to me and going, go give her five cups of flour. I'm like, what the heck is she doing? We don't have enough ourselves. But do you know I don't remember going hungry? So obviously she knew. And I learned from that. I learned a huge lesson that day because I remember thinking she had to say no to her. Because that was quite regular in our home. That family usually came. When they were coming, we knew they were coming for something because of the dead. But the funny thing is, my mom never said no to them. Every time they came, she gave. And then that friend of hers, she passed away really young. And as she had five kids, one of them was battling. So mom goes, oh, he can come and stay with us. Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> Seven kids in the house. Three adults. Yeah, but we never went hungry. She always had an open home. And that's something I learned. And the Bible talks about being hospitable, keeping your house open. So that's something I learned from my mummy. And I intend keeping it that way. She was like that woman in 1 Kings 17, 12. It speaks about, you know, I only have a handful of flour and olive oil. That was my mom. 1 Timothy 5, 10. And have a reputation for good deeds. A woman who brought up her children well, received strangers in her home, performed humble duties for other Christians, helped people in trouble, and devoted herself for doing good. That was my mom. She didn't even know. Um, we were really young when my dad passed away, and I was telling Adam the other day, I didn't even think that we were young. I thought we were quite grown up. Well, here goes the baby crying. Man, our church is full of babies. Isn't that good? Um, what was I talking about? Babies, man, they distract you. <laughs> yeah, I... I thought I was old, but I, I was 23, and my younger brother was 12. Never thought that they were little and they've lost their daddy. But, you know, we got on with life because that's all we knew because we had to go and find a job and support the family, and that's what we did. But mom never said there was not enough, even for others. Even then, it was like we were still going through tough time, and she still kept her home open. When we take uh, uh, mission trips, and I take, you know, people, mom doesn't know people but she'll never say who are they they can't come in she doesn't she just feeds them loves on them like doesn't love love on them but you know opens her home and and feeds people 
give them a shelter. I love that about my mom. Hebrews 13, 1. Keep on loving one another as Christians. Remember to welcome strangers in your homes. There were some who did that and welcomed angels without knowing them. That could be you and I. We could keep our homes open. Welcome strangers because we could be entertaining angels. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us be concerned for one another to help another to show love and to do good. My last, there was this, there's very much stuff I could share about my mom, but there's another last thing that I'll share is on, how, on the love for God's house. Sunday mornings, you, you do not argue with your mother, you get up, get ready, go to church. The only one reason you can't go to church is if you're sick and dying or you're dead, <laughs> basically. But you know, I'm glad she instilled that in us. So that's all we did. Even when we became Christians and we got persecuted by the Catholic Church, we still, mom said, no, you're going to go to church. We did. The priest would refuse communion to us. We'd stand there, wait till he said the prayer of forgiveness because he's, he used to pray they don't know what they're doing. And we'd stand there for a couple of seconds for that communion to fall on our tongue. But mom said, no, you keep going. We did. For two years, we kept going. Even after being persecuted by your own church family, we still did. Because mom said we could. The only time that I stopped going was after I married because then she decided, okay, she has to do what her husband tells her to do, which was like, yes. <laughs> but, but she loves it when we go for Christmas, the midnight service. And I think that for her it's like, because mom still goes to the Catholic church. Because we, as uh, when we became Christians, the Catholic church actually really badly persecuted us. For months. We were known as the Praise the Lord family. Yeah. If we had friends or relatives stay with us, they all went to church with us. Nobody stayed home. We all went to church, came home. And the nice thing about church for us was we had our friends there. So, you know, it was like an added bonus. If there was a church fair and the church was raising money, we were there cleaning the church, sweeping, dusting, making a whole lot of noise. We, that was just uh, the way mom brought us up, to love the house of God. Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord is coming. When we came to New Zealand, I remember locking myself in the bedroom after giving, feeding the kids and putting them to bed, ironing their Sunday clothes, because that's what I used to do. I used to iron their clothes. So give me a little bit of also time away from the kids and the husband. Um, <laughs> but do you know, I was all ready. By Sunday morning, all the clothes were ready for the kids. No excuses. You get up, wear whatever mom tells you to wear, and they would. And we don't come to church. I wouldn't be the type of mother who'd be sitting at home watching TV and say, you go to church, I'm sitting at home watching TV. No, that's not what my mom taught me. My mom taught me, you go to church, love the house of God. Action speaks louder than words. When it came to sports, I remember the school said, said to Reuben for hockey, he had to go on Sunday. I'm like, no way. You're going to do sports on Sunday. Sunday, we all come to church, son. 
and that's how it is in this house. And that's how I intend keeping it. So, you know, I started praying for Anna. I was praying for her today, and I was praying, God, I pray for Anna. And I pray for her husband. I thought, oh, my gosh, all over again. I'm doing it again. And for the husband's family. I don't even know if he's born. But, you know, that's, that's what you do. You pray for your kids. Man, I, I hang on to the prayers. In ending, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, imitate me. He says, imitate me. But he adds to it saying, just as I imitate Christ. Now, to say imitate me is quite scary. But imitate me just the way I imitate Christ is a good responsibility. You might be saying, you mean people should follow me? Yes. That's right. That's the way it should work, whether we like it or not. It is scriptural that we need to be a good role models to our kids. We can't expect our kids to do stuff that we don't do. We don't pray, they don't pray. We don't praise, they don't praise. I remember Reuben being really, when he was really little, he used to cling on to me the whole worship time. I remember this, this particular time. He'd just cling on to me and I'd, I'd like, oh my gosh, this child. This particular day I was like, oh Reuben, stop it. I remember God rebuking me because I was raising my hand and he was sort of trying to put his little hands, but I think in his own way he was wanting to worship but didn't know how to do it. And I felt God say, He's trying to worship me. And I was like, okay. But that's what they'll do. They'll copy you. They'll want to be like you. You just don't know they do. So they either become a good example or a bad example. Who will they follow? They got to follow you. We got to be God imitators. I pray that today you would pick up some goodness from my five four points that you would you know be consistent in your prayer life consistent in God's house keep your home open invite people for lunch hey it's really not much if you just eat sandwiches just buy another bread if you're into cooking rice like me just another couple of rice and God always multiplies in our home I tell my kids, hey, if they're here, let them eat. I'm like, there's so many of them. I don't care. I just need to know how many are there. Oh, I want it. I, I really don't. I'll just feed whoever comes to my home. I prayed for my kids. I now pray for your kids. I do. If I hear there are kids battling in the church, I'll be praying for them. I pray for your children. I do pray, especially when they're struggling. Just so you know that. I thought I'll let you know. And you should pray for my kids. Because they need it. I always told Reuben, as a little boy, you will do twice as much as your dad did. You will visit more countries than he ever has. And I believe that Reuben will. I used to say to him, you'll become a feisty preacher. More feisty than your dad. You think you've seen that? There's nothing to come.
Thank you. I pray you are blessed today. And have a happy Mother's Day.